Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Spamming Zero. This month's sponsor of the podcast is Gorgeous. If you're not familiar with Gorgeous, Gorgeous is a help desk, but it's specifically meant for e-commerce brands or DTC brands. I love, 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 love their mission. Listen to this. We believe that the next version of commerce should be more open and anyone should be able to be a part of it as a merchant or a customer. We believe decentralized commerce is better for everyone. Their core values, maximize your impact, customer first, strive for excellence, take extreme ownership, and 100% honest. I love what they do. Gorgeous is one of our favorites. They work with brands like Steve Madden, Olipop, and others. Too often, customer service gets a bad rap, and Gorgeous helps make sure that that gets a better rap. Here's a testimonial from a CEO and founder at Darn Good Yarn. Gorgeous gives us a holistic view of our customers. This way, we can provide them with fast and personalized help. Love it. Check them out. If you're not familiar with their website, it's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot com. Check out Gorgeous. I'm James. And I'm Brian. And this is Spamming Zero. I am so excited to have you on the show today because I think more people need to be listening to you. You're one of my favorite followers right now on LinkedIn. I even clicked your little bell every time you post. I'm I'm seeing your stuff. I just I love you. I love you. I'm all about you right now. So by the way, we are joined by Jess Servion. Did I get that right? Servion. Oh my god, you did get that right. How did you know? I do my homework. Okay, I'm into that. Thank you. Thank you. If you aren't familiar with Jess, she also co-hosts a podcast called Oopsie Podcast. So we got to start here because I'm all for helping other podcasters. So we're giving you a little plug here. Jess, how in the world did you come up with Oopsie Podcast and what is it about? Okay, so backstory. Um, My co-host, her name is Zoe Khan. She does CX at Chomps, the meat sticks company. The reason that's relevant is because, well, she's my co-host, that's why it's relevant, but um, (laughs) Zoe and I met, Zoe and I met in um, a Discord channel, it's a CX Discord, we have like almost 800 members in it, Um, it was created by Eli Wise, Um, so anyway, so Zoe and I met, we, one day, like, we're in this channel, or in this Discord, and we're like, all joking around, like, dang, I made a boo-boo, and I want to share it with somebody so I don't feel like an asshole. Apologies. I curse. <laughs> um, you can, this is so, explicit. You can do whatever you want on here. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So, so anyway, so Zoe was like, oh, I want to share this. Like, and she was, I want to share this moment, this asshole moment and like to share it with the world and like share what I've learned from it. So all of a sudden, like she shares this moment in a random channel and that random channel like ends up all of us chattering and turns into another channel that we called oopsie just randomly just like oopsie channel and like a discord so zoe and i have never met we actually only recently became like official last week when we physically met but zoe and i like always knew each other in like the space and we started like just vibing on this discord about like these oopsies in this channel and we moved that friendship to like text message and I'm sending her audio messages of like my deepest oopsies which are actually on episode one of oopsie podcast anyway so Zoe and I were like man we really should like make a blog or do something together and we were like why don't we just make an oopsie podcast and like it's a passion project and I was like yeah dog I'm down let's do this so I like bought a microphone 
thought nobody was going to listen to it. And we created Oopsie Podcast based off of mistakes that you make. And essentially the tagline is you live, laugh, learn. You make a mistake, you share it with the people and you talk about how, what that mess up was and what you learned. So other people can, you know, learn from your mistake, maybe make that mistake, or just realize that we're all human. And like, we're not all going to be perfectionist and we're going to get shit wrong sometimes. I, I freaking love it. The concept of it, by the way, like every Thursday on LinkedIn, I try to do a post. I call it my CMO fails. Um, so it's very similar. There's just not enough people that are sharing their failures. Um, and especially like, once you reach like an executive level, they definitely don't share enough. Uh, and everyone always like kind of like looks up to like the executives at companies and think, oh, I want to reach that point. Right. But they know they don't hear about all the all the failures that are happening behind the scenes that they never see the light of. And I just freaking love that concept of a podcast. So love the fact we can plug it a little bit here. Uh, so go listen to Oopsie podcast as well. And mm-hmm. Listen, so you, you're head of customer experience at Feastables. It, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe like Mr. Beast and them like do stuff with you guys. Is that correct? Yeah. So Feastables is a Mr. Beast company. Uh, Mr. Beast for oh. the audience and anybody who like doesn't know, Mr. Beast is one of the world's largest YouTube influencers. Um, and he decided He's one pro- day. I that think he, he is the largest. No, no. He is, is large. I mean, I think I, he is the largest, yeah. right? Mr. Beast you don't want to give is the largest <laughs> YouTube influencer. Well, it's just like, I don't want to, I, I just want to like, you know, things change every day. You just got to fact check yourself. That's all, you know? <laughs> um, like, I, I don't want to like put things out there and be completely wrong on your, on your podcast. That's it, you know? <laughs> um, so Mr. Beast is the world's largest YouTube influencer. And so why that is very important and we will get to it. Um he decides one day he's going to create a snack company, but not just a snack company that is, you know, oh, the next Hershey's. Like he decides like, I'm going to create a better for you snack company and was born Feastables. Um, so then we, he created Feastables, co- um, co-founded it along with some other individuals. Um, and enter the world of better for you snacking from feastables. And that's the company that I work for. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's like, I'm, I'm being really humble here. <laughs> Listen, I, I think it's a really fun brand. I think that you're, if, if you go from like Mr. Beast's personality, you guys are like really honing in on that. And we can get into that in a little bit, but I, I just want to start with you. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. I give a little bit of background about who you are, what you're doing right now, but just tell the listeners who you are. Yeah. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, I am Jess Servion. Um, I am head of CX at Feastables, but I've actually have been in customer experience for 12 plus years. I think this is my 13th year now. My background actually is not in D2C and e-com. My background is actually in SaaS. Um, Feastables mm-hmm. is actually a startup. So, and that's going to come up a lot in our interview by day, head of CX at Feastables at night before work on the weekends, Oopsie podcast co-host, also a co-founder of a design studio and also a CX consultant. So I operate on complete psychopath mode at all times. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love it. I love the side gigs though. I think that like more people as they have that side gig and when they can do that, it just, it just helps keep things grounded. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you call it the, the, the psychopath, but I actually think that it's actually keeps you more grounded because it keeps you more well-rounded around what you can do in your current job also with Peaceable. So kudos to you for yeah. that. Thanks. I, I actually do really love it. Cause I really like helping other people. That's, that's really what it is. And I'm trying, and I'm truthfully, I'm trying to bring light to customer experience. So people don't think customer experience is just support. Customer experience is brand experience. It's brand marketing. It's retention marketing. We can go into it. I'll stop. Let's do it. All right. So here, here's the thing. I actually saw a post that you did. It was actually a podcast that you actually were on, I think. And you talked about customer experience is not customer support. And you're like, Hey, I'll die on this hill. And it's funny. Cause we, we just spoke to somebody on the podcast not very long ago. His name's Alex Mead and he talks about the same kind of stuff. I don't know if you know Alex, but you should follow him. He's a good one to follow. He talks about the same kind of stuff about how for the longest time, customer experience is also like they, there's a lot of customer experience professors. You either have like those that are really strong in customer service and support, or you have this other that's like really strong on the brand experience and mm-hmm. very few are like meshing them together like really a customer experience is all of that together it's the customer service side like there's one piece of it brand is one piece and as you said many other pieces that exist from it so what is the one thing or one or two things that are just like driving you wild about customer experience right now yeah i mean i think what makes me really tick about customer experience is it's the brand experience. It's the experience of your product, whether it's a SaaS brand or it's like a CPG consumer, you know, consumer packaged good. It's the end of the day for me. So I'm like, I'm not <laughs> making any sense. That, um, you're good. But you know, but whatever that, whatever your product is, whatever your feature is, it's, a, it's the experience that your customer is having with that product. And so that, that meshes into the supporting of that product that meshes into the community building of that, um, the loyalty building of why people want to use your brand, why the people want to use your product. And I think that it's so, and like, that's one of the biggest things that I'm very passionate about, like customer experience is like the brand experience of it. This is why it's not support. It's what is your experience? What is your customer experiencing with your product or brand? And then second, just to dive even deeper into that, it's also, and I was talking about this earlier today with somebody who is in the SaaS industry. Um, it's also very much community building. So I think what's really oh, yeah. interesting is whether you're you, you, like, think about it. I, and I, I don't know, I'm just name dropping this product because it's like has come to my mind, right? Like, think about it. Like if I am in product, project management, right? I really like monday.com. I'm going to go refer monday.com to my friends because I'm a part mm-hmm. of that community of monday.com, right? So in the same ter- way that you think about it, like whatever your coffee brand is, like I, my favorite coffee brand is my homie's brand. I'm about to plug it. Little Buffalo Coffee Roasters. <laughs> You can buy a subscription online, but my point is though, it's like, I am a huge fan of Little Buffalo Coffee, right? So I'm going to tell my friends about it. I'm going to build, I'm going to organically build that community for that brand or for that product, right? And so that's Uh what like, that's the hill that I will die on is that customer experience isn't just support, it's the experience of your brand and it's that community building of your brand and how you be, how you retain your customers. 
I mean, you you put it beautifully, and I have probably talked about this very quote um, several times on our podcast already, but I'm going to bring it up again because I think it it in my opinion defines brand and customer experience as one piece, probably better than anything that I've ever heard. And it was the CEO of Disney um, a long time ago gave this quote, and that's brand is a thousand interactions. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, um, it, he, they obviously gave like way more than just that, but ultimately it boils down to like brand is a thousand interactions. Well, if every interaction matters, which we all feel like it does, if every interaction matters, then that means we take the customer experience a lot more seriously, which means the brand moments that we have with everyone is also the same thing. And mm-hmm. we, we, we are trying to separate these things like, oh, brand is different than customer experience. Well, you know what? The people in an organization that might own those things might be a little bit different, but ultimately like they are the same and Mm -hmm. brand and customer experience being, being under the same umbrella. I think that that that's one of the reasons why back in 2013, 2014, um, when customer experience was very first, like just like starting to make its make its way. That's when we started seeing heads of customer experience, VPs of customer Mm -hmm. experience. We started seeing CXOs, um, and, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why we were seeing that is because I think a lot of senior leaders saw that they saw like, well, if customer experience is figuring out the entire journey and every interaction that's with it, that's also the brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I don't know, like this doesn't necessarily change the subject, but I want to like talk about this conversation that I had once when I was like, when I decided like I am going to put my stake in the ground and be in customer experience. I was working in my career. I was working in the travel industry. I was an account manager. I, um, I worked in corporate travel specifically. So I was an account manager. I was like, you know, booking travel for like really big companies. Um, think, and these weren't necessarily my accounts, but think like Medallia, Pinterest, like these very big companies. Right. And so anyway, so I was essentially like this account manager, but slash like CSM. So that's like the other side of customer experience that in the SaaS world that like a lot of people don't talk about. We talk about it as like support. Upsell, cross sell, upsell, cross sell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's also like customer success, right? Like it's customer success it's sales, like all these things. Anyway, point is, so I decided to I decided when I was at like five years in my career, I was doing really well, President's Club, like all these jams, but I decided I really wanted to go work in the startup world and I had this opportunity to join my first startup. So I go to join my first startup. My role at that time was like travel operations manager and but my, the previous job, the travel company before, the president of that company wanted me to come back to that, to that um, company and I was like, yeah, you know, and I turned on this like beautiful offer, like all these things. And I, and I remember distinctly saying this and she was like, why do you, why are you turning this down? Like, why are you turning down all this money? And I said, well, I really want to, I really want to start my career in customer experience. And she was like, well, what is customer experience? And I said, well, you know what customer experience is. It's like brand experience. It's this, it's that. It's not just support, like all this, this. And verbatim, she says to me, that sounds like customer support. And I don't think you'll have a career in that. Lo and behold, let me find out. (laughs) Head of CX is Vistables. CX is like a big thing in the industry now. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like, oh my God, it's like this massive thing, but it's like, the, the game is changing. The experience of your customer throughout your brand, whether it's SaaS, whether it's, you know, e whatever it is, 
people care about it. And so I like I and I think that was like actually about like 2017 2018. I mean maybe yeah, less. I don't right. know. Math math is terrible for me. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm actually really old, so I forget things. <laughs> um, but anyway, my point is though is like you know I experienced it. I experienced it young in my career, and then like that job, that job that I ended up going to my like that first startup and my role being travel operations manager actually turned into customer experience because that company that I worked for said okay Jess like you're doing the travel support side of the stuff we actually want you to do product support side um, a little bit of like CSM work like all this stuff like and we want to rebrand that department to customer experience and that was like my first opportunity like I threw it into the ether declined this job and ended up going like building a career into experience and like had I gone back, I would have, I don't know if I would have been here today. Yeah. I mean, like it, it, it requires, I think it does require somebody to own it. Um, it's the best way because then in my opinion, like that person, if they own it, they're more likely to be able to get the right parties and the right functions, um, executing against it. So I think if no one owns it or if it's, like so spread across all other departments and functions, then it's just not going to, it's not going to happen. And I'd love to get like, what is, what do you think is the biggest pain that people have when it comes to like developing a really strong customer experience, especially like from your perspective with CPG and DDC brands, like it's a different type of experience, right? Like Mm -hmm. literally every single time they buy a product, like that transaction can happen very, very quickly. And sometimes it doesn't need a lot of influence, but other times it does. So what do you think is the big challenge that a lot of those brands have? I think that the biggest challenge, well, actually take it one step back. So one of the things that I was going to mention, and this kind of bleeds into it. So Feastable's experience is actually a value of our company. So it's, it's, so that's why customer experience is like an org, right? Because it's like, we, we think about experience, not just as support. We think about the experience of packaging. We think about the experience of like, what is the digital experience online? Like, um, if they go into retail and they're coming back, like, what does that experience look like? What is the shot? Like everything, every little thing that we touch, everything from like the taste of a product to the packaging of it, to, you know, the surprise and delight moment or the conversation you're having, whatever it's all, it's all encompassed. And I think that actually in the CPG world that I can see and just like all over the place is when you don't value experience, it's really hard to get cross-functional buy-in. So like, because, and, and I don't think like Feastables is the end all be all. So like listeners, like I'm not saying like, oh my God, Feastables end all be all. But I can tell you that the way we operate, we operate with experience as like the utmost importance to us because we genuinely care about like, like what our customers are experiencing. And I think something interesting that I've like noticed even in like recent weeks is like, we've had a lot of like new people coming into the company and those new people have had to like do presentations about like some of the projects that they're working on. And each one of those people in the last couple of weeks have said at least once in their presentations, well, a customer experience would be this. Well, the customer experience would be this or, the, oh, this would affect the customer experience. It is literally ingrained in us at this point that we care so much about the experience. So cross-functionally, we're always already thinking about it. whether customer experience as a department existed or not. 
we are always going to be thinking about it from like every little thing that we do. And I think that that's honestly the, the biggest challenge that people have is like, you think about it in like a, oh, I just need to make the revenue from this or, oh, I just need to make this campaign a bit. But what do you think about like, do you think about the effects of other departments? Do you think about how your consumer is going to feel when they get that marketing campaign? Do you think about how your consumer is going to feel when they open that package? Like if you think about it in every single aspect and every single touch point that your customer has, could be a win. I don't know. It's going to be a win. No doubt about it. We actually, um, I think that for the longest time, marketers owned brand and brand was so unknown. And and by the way, it still is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and because brand is so unknown, I think that customer experience is making it easier to understand what how brand and that go together. Um, we actually call it the brand experience here. Um, cause like ultimately the very first moment that somebody gets to know us to the very last moment when they buy our products to like the post-purchase process, all of that ties into what we believe is our brand experience. Um, it's the experience that you're having with the brand, which is mm-hmm. the same thing as what people are defining as the customer experience. And I think they're making it easier by using the term customer experience. Yeah, I do agree do you with you. I think. I, I actually, I do agree with you. Um, I think, I don't know necessarily if like, you know, we're going to change everything. Right. But I can tell you that I can tell you that like, it doesn't bother me necessarily that like we think about brand as like a brand experience because you're still putting customer experiences at the forefront. I also think that that will then broaden eventually as well. Like as there's people on the market, like me or Eli or Zoe, or like these people who come out and like CX and say like, it's not just like support. It's not just, it's not even just retention either. It's the, it, uh-huh. all experience. I think that that's going to, I think eventually in time, like that's the natural progression and things are going to change. And like, and I think that w- the CX operators will also be respected as brand marketers. So like for me, like in my consulting stuff, I don't just say like, Oh, I'm CX consulting, like to talk about like how we can like fix your support org or how we can do retention marketing. I'm also talking about like brand marketing when I consult too. Like I'm helping yeah. other individuals because it's like, I want to touch that in like another individual's organization, because I don't want even just to us to be, you know, um, put in a box of just CX and retention. I want it to be thought of as like all encompassing brand experience. So to be honest with you, it doesn't bother me because I think if anything, it gets more respect. Like, I don't know, hot take. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, it's interesting because you were bringing up like loyalty and how like when you're trying to create like fans and a community, I think a brand that stood out to me that I forgot to mention was um, one of our customers, actually, it's Aviator Nation. I don't know if you're familiar with like how they grew, um, but they're a big apparel brand in the California area and their CEO didn't want to take any investments from investors. And so she wanted mm-hmm. to do it like totally homegrown and build virality around it. And they have done the community play incredibly well to the point where they're one of the fastest growing apparel brands in the world. So much, in fact, that when they release a product, they release so much scarcity with it that they have these raving fans on TikTok and Instagram that all the that's the the primary source of how people find out about Aviator Nation is through social media. Just to mm-hmm. give you an idea there. It's absolutely crazy. Like they do these like 
pockets of concerts where they give away some of their uh they're like apparel brands uh, or they're like their, their clothing and like big celebrities and stuff will show up to these concerts just to get the apparel. Uh, it's, it's so cool. Uh, they've mm-hmm. done an incredible job with the communities. So that's a really good example for like D to C brands that are listening. Like they did it really, really well. There's lots of others too, that I think do well. Yeah. And that's like building community. Again, it's going back to like building community. It's like you're building that hype. You're building that like word of mouth organically. You're building community. (laughs) You know, like I don't, I know it's like the dumbing it down terms, but that's just something I'm passionate about of thinking about it in those terms. Are you a reader? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So there's a book, a new book that Mark Schaefer just wrote. I don't know if you've read, wrote it. I don't know if you've read any of his previous books. They're really good. There's one called Marketing Rebellion that's really good. And he just came out with a new one. It's called Belonging to a Brand. And it's all about community building. And it gives each chapter kind of gives a unique example. And one community that I I love the story he gives is called Mom Boss. Um, Mm -hmm. If you've not heard it, like the book is worth buying just to read that chapter of how this working mom built this it's one of the biggest communities in the world now um, called mom boss. And she built it because she wanted a place where her as a working mom could go and find other working moms that were trying to build businesses and build their careers as entrepreneurs. And there was no place for it. And so she built this community and it just grew massively to the point where now she like can't even imagine manage it on her own. (laughs) It's such a cool story. Highly recommend yeah, it. Yeah, I um, love that. Definitely go check out that but, book too. That's a good one. Yeah, I'll add it to my list. I'm actually reading, I'm just about to finish Atomic Habits right now. Um, <laughs> so I, I read a lot of like books because I read 10 pages a day and it's a thing. Anyway. <laughs> oh, you're, you're just like the person on my marketing team. Called, her name's Katie and she she has like goals every year trying to get mm-hmm. done a certain amount of books every year. And I hear the numbers she puts in front of us and she's like, I'm trying to read this many books this year. And I'm just like, that's like a lifetime goal for me. (laughs) (laughs) Like I I read a lot or I I listen to books a lot, but like, holy smokes. Yeah. I just don't know how y'all do it. (laughs) I mean, to be honest with you, I've never really been a reader, but then I, I've been doing 75 hard this year. Like, and I started actually on new year's Eve and what 75 hard is like, it's not like a diet by any means, but like you have to like basically follow a plan for 75 days. And one of the things in that plan is reading 10 pages a day, but you're essentially creating that habit. Like, so like, just say like reading, right? Like whether I'm on 75 hard or not, like I'm going to read 10 pages a day now because I'm so used to it. Instead of turning on the TV, I'm turning on a book, right? Or I'm physically reading a book. And they also all have to be like, um, like development books. So they can't be, it has to be nonfiction which is fine because I got a lot of lofty goals. So it's been helping me. (laughs) (laughs) Jess, what else is driving you wild with customer experience? Well, to be honest with you, I was hoping we were going to get to your one question about um, what is something that you're (laughs) passionate about that you think many would disagree on. And I'm going to be honest with you. People are probably going to hang up after I say this, but um, embracing AI. I am really why would they hang up hold on hold on why would they hang up i don't know it's a whole thing my friend (laughs) people people are like oh i don't know about that (laughs) but you know listen so i built teams 
somebody actually asked me this like um we have a new hire and she was like well what like our crm tool she was like why don't you just use the chat bot in the crm tool and i and i was like well i don't use it because the chat bot that i utilize gives me so much more customization it's like it's not just a self-service bot it's also an engagement bot right and i'm not saying like my bot is like the best one on this planet i i like definitely <laughs> think there's like room for more iterations but let me tell you this and this is why i'm doubling down on this and very passionate about ai and automations last year this chat bot that i like implemented in, into my cx experience automated 1.1 million conversations. So now I'm like, all right, 1.1 million conversations. I don't know how many people that is. Cause like figure, you know, maybe there's like more traffic to like each person has five convos, whatever it is. Right. But that's 1.1 million opportunities to gain insights on your customer. That's 1.1 million opportunities to engage with your customer and build loyalty. Right. And so like, I, so like automations, that's why I'm thinking about in automations and AI is like, how do I have meaningful conversations with those, like those 1.1 million again this year, but actually gain insights on my customer, actually be able to like have a conversation with them and action things. And I'm not saying like, oh, I'm trying to like put people out of business by any means. I'm trying to automate things for my team so that when like somebody actually does need a human, that conversation isn't just like a, oh, here's a macro and like get on your way. Like it's it's a real conversation like where you're really having a humanized touch. But if I if I didn't have these automations and if I didn't have this bot in my CX experience, I'm just said a CX experience, but whatever, then I would have had to employ hundreds of people to have those one-on-one -on -one touches for them to have a good experience, right? So, and that means that my tiny team would have been very overwhelmed and every conversation would have had to be a macro or get in and get out. So something I'm passionate about, doubling down on automations and AI. You basically just gave our pitch. <laughs> Like yeah, you gave our you fair. gave our pitch. I didn't even have. To, I, by the way, this is a true story. Jess, have we ever spoke before today? No, no. Yeah, this is the first see, time so we're I ever. I'm sure I didn't plug that. No. I look. I I think I think AI right now. There's a revolution happening with AI. I think more people are open to it than ever before. But I also think that there's a lot of resistance to it for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, there is. Mm -hmm. Like we we've identified very specific pain points that people have, or we I, I'm I call them fears. Um, there is a massive fear of automation. People are yeah. really afraid that people are going to hate it. Well, just hear me out here for a second. People do not hate automation. What they hate is not getting their problem fixed, or mm -hmm. not getting a resolution to something that they're actually inquiring about. It's not that they hate automation. Actually, people, when they're polled, there's massive research behind this. People like you and I, as consumers, prefer to not have to work with a human to get something. Mm -hmm. It's only that they want to get to a human is if it's absolutely necessary where automation cannot fix it. And what they don't want to happen in this whole process is they don't want the automation to be so clunky that it creates a bad experience yeah. for them. Yeah, And that's, I think, the part that you know, a lot of companies right now, including us at Flip, we're trying to like help oil that machine and help people understand like AI actually is meant to help save you money. It's meant to help also mm -hmm. bring in more money because it gives you more at bats. And number three, it's, it's meant 
like AI is meant to make you more efficient. That's literally what it's for. It's not meant to replace. It's not meant to like people think it's going to take over people's jobs and you're not going to be able to have a job no. anymore. It is not meant for that. Mm-mm. I agree with you. I mean, that's that's why I said like this is a subject like this is a subject that I'm just like really passionate about because I I agree with you. I think it's like if it's clunky, if it's a bad experience, like it's not going to work, right? And like I can tell you right now, like I don't even think my experience that's on our website is like the absolute best. Like I'm already working towards making that an even better experience, right? You constantly have to make new iterations. You can't just like set it and forget it and be like, okay, cool, I'm done. Just like everything else that you do in your org and any org, like I don't care if you're marketing, your CX, whatever you're always making iterations you're always looking at data and like looking at like what you can improve and like it's the same exact thing like I just hired somebody for one of their main responsibilities is like constantly going into like fallback reports constantly like improving that experience just so it's like so we can constantly have a better experience in it, but I don't think there's ever going to be like an end of like this is the utmost experience because what uh, the other thing that happens on the outside is your consumer's behavior constantly changes too. So you have to constantly be able to like train and rethink and reiterate in order to respond to that. Well, and I think that a lot of brands too, yeah, I am going to, I don't, I don't like to like talk about flip at all. When I'm when I'm on these things, I'll wear the hat and I'll wear the jacket, but that's just about all I like to do <laughs> with this stuff. But what's interesting is there's a lot of brands also that force people down a channel that's not their preference. And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk, I'm going to like mention one thing really quick. We talk about this a lot at Flip because we are a voice company, so it makes sense for us to talk about it. But I just want to mention it as somebody, if I took my Flip hat off and I took my Flip hat jacket off, like here's the thing. I, as a consumer, hate when there's not like after hours support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I, I work... Like I work some normal hours, right? Uh, which means at five o'clock when I'm done working, I'm going to my family. The last thing in the world I want to do is have to call or get on a chat with support. But if the option's not there, you're forcing me down channels that sometimes are not convenient for me at all whatsoever, right? And I think like there's there's a matter of like doing things really, really well, like sticking to a channel, getting it down pat and doing it really, really well. But also there's a whole side of this that's that makes it not accessible to other people. And mm-hmm. and like that's the accessibility side of the house, which is like all around like the people who have disabilities who actually need these options. They need a phone mm-hmm. number and other people need a chat and they need those options. You're missing out on a massive opportunity of the population where mm-hmm. some people literally like I can t- I can tell you like there's there's over eight million people that struggle with their eyesight they couldn't use a chat right eight million people right there boom like you're missing out on all those people by not being able to provide them a channel where they can actually be served in and if you only have a phone number and you don't have a chat like you're missing out on a massive amount of people there as well so there's a whole accessibility side of this that brands need to be thinking about more and more of and that's the part that really really gets me i'm like man I don't think it's very difficult to at least provide options. Like there's AI out there, by the way, that can also help you solve some of these problems in literally like minutes. They can help you solve some of these problems. 
Yeah. And I think the other thing that I'm thinking about with like AI is like, okay, so for us, like we're so like content heavy, right? And like our audience like really loves Jimmy. They love things in Jimmy's voice, but obviously like I can't get Jimmy's voice in everything. And I'm not trying to make it cringe by any means, but like, why? Or can you, Jess, or can you? Make it cringe? I mean, you can. I don't want to do that. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, we will talk after this podcast i'll bet you there there are things out there you could do with ai that would make it in jimmy's voice no 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 no, no. sorry sorry no that's my point i know that okay. that's the thing so so sorry we were wires were being crossed but like i was i was just painting the picture so like my point is is that like i'm not trying to build a cringe experience but i am trying to build an experience i'm not trying to put it in like every single thing but i'm thinking about ai and like what can i do with voice ai what can i do with dubbing like if i'm going international like how do i dub in like other languages right like i'm thinking about it of like how can i automate things and and it's not necessarily even automate how can i move faster as my consumers behaviors move faster and constantly create content constantly create materials that speak to so many other audiences like that accessibility thing that you were saying so Mm -hmm. i mean like i'm thinking about it in those terms of like a voice ai i'm thinking about it in like content creation like like all of these things right And then the other thing that I'm thinking about it through is like, how can I automate getting reports? Like right now, like one of the things that I'm dealing with is I'm trying to figure out a forecast, like a forecast for like what the future planning is like, like of hiring. Right. And I'm not thinking about like, oh, okay. Like forecasting and like automating things and like taking away jobs. I'm thinking about like how, like how can I employ other people? Like, how can I like automate some of my reporting based on like the amount of conversations that I have without me spending hours, like doing math cells in Excel and like trying to figure it all out. Like, why can't I just be like, Hey AI, like this is what I'm trying to solve. Here's some numbers, plug and play. Give me what I need, you know? So it's like, I'm thinking about it in like so many other terms, not just in like, um, not just even on this avenue like of supporting like how can i move faster and smarter with these these tools i think that's the right way to look at it i think that this sort of ai revolution and the influx of users using chat gbt and testing its boundaries like i'm even in a community where we're doing this stuff just with chat gbt and it's wild some of the stuff that people come up with but it's also really yeah. really cool yeah No, I think it is really cool. I think it is really cool. I think it's like we have to embrace it. I don't think that like chat GPT is like the the answer for everything, right? I think if anything, it's just put it in the public to think about it. I think that's really what it is. And there's going to be 10 other tools that are going to come out and, you know, be something else. And that's okay too. But it's just, I think this is where like the culture is going in every aspect of every business. Completely agree. Jess, we're we're at time. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks.